Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew 7, I want to start in um, verse 15. Matthew 7, verse 15. He says this in verse 15, uh, Jesus is speaking, red letters. He says, beware, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. So they're disguised. They have taken on a form on the outside that's actually contrary to what's on the inside. He says that on the outside, they're in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Ravs, uh, uh, ravs, wolves, wolves and sheep have two different objectives. They have two different goals. They have two different missions. One wants to unify and one wants to separate. One wants to divide. And so they come to you on the outside. They keep an appearance that looks like they want to accomplish one mission. But on the inside, they have intentions and motives that are contrary to what they look like on the outside. He says this, how will we know? Jesus, how are we going to know uh, when, when you've got a wolf inside of sheep's clothing, when you've got a uh, a wolf that has uh, identity theft. This is a transgender wolf. This is a wolf that is confused about its identity. <laughs> identity confusion right here. So you thought that was 2019 stuff. This has been going on for a long time now. Identity crisis happening. We've got a trans wolf here trying to show up as a sheep. So how am I going to know? How am I going to know? All right, I got to get you back now. How am I going to know the difference between a wolf and a sheep? He says in verse 16, you will know them by their fruits or by what they produce. So we're not known by what we say we produce. We're going to be known by what we actually produce, what is actually uh, uh, produced in our lives. That's what fruit is. Fruit is just literally what is Uh, produced in your life. He says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. He's basically telling you, this is how I deal with bad trees. This is how uh, I operate with bad trees. We cut them off. We let them go. They're of no use, in essence, is what he's saying. But verse 20 says, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. This is an issue that we have uh, as we progress in life, progress as believers, as Christians, is that we have to maintain what we once obtained. We have to keep to and keep with um, and remain consistent with how we entered. You know, we make a a big deal of, of salvation, uh, we make a big deal of our entrance into the kingdom, and we ought to. The, the word of God tells us that disciples make what? Disciples. Disciples uh, breed more disciples. We ought to be uh, encouraging those that are lost and far from God to come near to him, uh, ultimately because God has a plan and purpose for their life, not just trying to get out of hell and not just trying to get into heaven. You know, a lot of people come into the kingdom only because they're trying to run away from something, not necessarily because they want to enter something. But Jesus even took it further. He said, it's not just about what you enter, but it's about what you become. Discipleship and Christianity is is really uh, uh, more about what we become than where we go. 
It's about what God wants to do inside me, not just transplanting me to a place of gold streets and mansions and being near him forever, but that he wants to abide with us and reside with us forever. Our life changed here on earth. And uh, so what I once obtained coming into the kingdom, he's stressing a value and importance for maintaining false prophets uh, that, that uh, I'm not just doing the right things, but even further, I'm doing the right things for the right reasons. Jesus was all about intentions, motives, what's really going on on the inside. And then that's the interesting part because that's really the only part he can change. That's, that's the only uh, part that God can change. You and I cannot change someone else's motives and intentions. And so Jesus wasn't just interested in behavior modification. Jesus wasn't interested in you just uh, 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 changing your appearance, but changing what's on the inside will ultimately change your appearance. My actions, my conduct, my behavior, my patterns are all a result of not something on the outside uh, uh, changing the inside, but the inside changing the outside. So he's talking about religious leaders and he's talking about false prophets that were more interested in their appearance than what God could do on the inside of them. They had created a lifestyle, a religious lifestyle that pointed at people's behavior and their conduct um, and, and they would uh, uh, go to the nth degree. They even made up what Jesus called traditions, man-made traditions that eventually dishonored God's very commandments. You know, we'll do that. We will strive so hard in and of ourselves that we will even create new ways to be righteous. I don't know about you, but I think God's system and God's ways are, will pretty much cover it. You know, God's actually made it simpler than sometimes we want to allude to. We want to add in extra stuff. Because, again, it's easier to change fruit than it is to change roots. It's easier to adjust fruit and call myself an orange tree even though I'm an apple tree. But eventually the root will tell the truth, won't it? The root will tell the truth. So Jesus was trying to get to the root, to the heart, to the intentions, the motivations. I don't want to just change your behavior and your conduct. I want to change the, the motivations and the intentions behind that. I want to get deep. Verse 21, he says this. He goes on to say, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone that says, in another passage, he just called this giving lip service. He, he, he called him out and he said uh, that it was actually prophesied that uh, many would profess with their lips, but their hearts would be far from me. So God's not wanting just lip service. He's wanting the, our intentions, our motives, our heart. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who what? Does the will of my Father in heaven. Whoever does the will of my Father, many will say to me in that day. He's talking about future time. He's talking about that day when we stand before Christ. He's talking about that day uh, of, of judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not? And this is the account that they will give to prove that they were performing the will of the Lord. This is what they'll say. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. That speaks of intimacy. That speaks of sharing of heart. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, everything he just mentioned wasn't necessarily practicing lawlessness. And man, God has such a gracious 
and, and merciful heart for people uh, that, that he wants to see people touched. He wants to see people healed. He wants to see people restored, right? But ultimately, we will give account. Ultimately, we will give account of not just what we said we were gonna do and not just the words and our lip service, but actually aligning our will, our purpose, our intentions, our motivations, aligning them with God. And so uh, he's, he's pointing this out. I wanna look uh, further down in 1 Timothy chapter four, getting further into it. And Paul actually warns young Timothy. Old Paul is now warning young Timothy who's about to step into ministry of some things. And this is what he begins to say in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says, so this is by the Spirit of God, says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. But I want us, you know, sometimes when we hear those words, depart from the faith, we, we have this idea that they're gonna abandon Christianity altogether, that they're gonna live lives of sin, uh, intentional sin. They're gonna live lives of, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with church. I don't wanna, I don't wanna do anything with Christianity. Sometimes our minds can go there, but there's other ways that we can depart from the faith. And he says that there will be some that will depart from the faith, but watch this giving heed or giving way to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Look at these next four words, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now that means that they're gonna be speaking lives, or speaking lies, but thinking that they're speaking truth. That's what hypocrisy means. That means they're gonna claim to be believers and claim to be of the faith. We have to define this now. These are individuals that are gonna claim to be of the faith, claim to honor God, claim to live for him, claim to be speaking on his behalf, gonna be doing the prophesying, casting out in healing and signs and wonders in his name, but ultimately they're speaking lies in hypocrisy. They are wolves in sheep's clothing is what he's identifying. So we're not talking about those far from God, lost or, or, or abandoning the things of God. We, we see that happening, sure. But we're talking about those that claim a level of Christianity. How can I know when on the outside, it looks like it's going one direction, but really their intentions and their motives are going another direction. They're speaking lies in hypocrisy. And look at this, having their own conscience seared with the hot iron, having their own conscience, meaning that they think they're following the ways of God, but they've desensitized themselves so much to his word and to his ways that they're, they're not on the same path. They don't have the same agenda. They don't have the same intentions and motives. Their outward actions, uh, they believe are truth. They believe they're in line with God. How do we identify this in these last days? How do we combat this in these last days? If you go over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four, and we're gonna start here with verse one as well. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So ultimately, Jesus is gonna be the one to determine where you were, where's your heart, what, what were you, how were you living your life and were you living it uh, uh, from my motives, my intentions, my plans for your life or were you following your own ideas, your own agenda, your own plans? Were you staying with 
what you started with. And so he's going to judge us. So this is what he says in verse 2 to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why, Timothy? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, this is where it gets interesting because he doesn't say they won't endure doctrine. He specifies it. They won't endure sound doctrine. They won't endure healthy doctrine. They won't endure the whole doctrine. They're going to bite off pieces and chunks that they like that appeal to them. And they're going to sell out to that. And they're eventually going to get off the path and off the course that I have for them and that I have for those that they're ministering to. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. That's scary. When, when I am consumed by my own desires, I cannot be consumed by his. When I'm consumed by my own desires. And guys, I'll tell you right now, there's always opportunity to chase your desires rather than destiny. In fact, a lot of times you'll find that the two will conflict. The two will conflict. And so there's always, what, what Paul is identifying here is that there's, there's gonna be this tension between what you want and even what feels good versus what God wants. Now we know that God wants to bless us. We know that God wants to protect us. We know that God wants good things for you, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. That's the verse that Chris Musgrove wrote, right? I'm just joking. He's, he has a ministry called Future Now, and he uses that verse, a very powerful verse. And so some people might confuse that he wrote it, but he didn't actually write it. God wrote it. God wrote it speaking to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Not for harm, but for good, not for evil, but to bless you and keep you. We know that those are the plans that God has for us, but then there comes this, this issue of our desires, our plans, our agendas. And it's so, so easy sometimes to think that our plans are his plans. God's not obligated to bless our plans. The Bible is very clear that many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's what? It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. So he says, uh, uh, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't endure the word of God because according to their own desires, they will have itching ears. Itching Ears Ministries International. Itching Ears, meaning what satisfies me? What part do I want to stick to? What part do I want to stay with? What part do, do I want to embrace? What part do I like? And when we start picking and choosing, we're headed down a very dangerous path. According to their own desires, they have itching ears. And then this gets really interesting. They will heap up for themselves teachers. They will heap up for themselves teachers. I thought in the last days people would, people that were falling away from God wouldn't want anything to do with teaching. But he says, we'll actually have more teachers than we'll know what to do with. <laughs> and are we seeing this today? Oh yeah, we'll, we'll raise up our own teachers. We'll, we, will, we will find, we, we can, I mean, if you wanna live to preference, this is your day and age right here. If you wanna live to what satisfies you, you wanna live to your own desires and to your own agendas and to your own plans. I mean, you, you have a plethora to choose from. We have spirit churches, we have word churches, we have the mix, we have truth churches and grace churches and, 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 and you know, what, whatever God you want, he's the Burger King God, you have them your way. 
Come on now. But the Bible, God himself says, I am God, I do not change. He's all of it. He's truth and grace. He's not either or, he's both and. He's a both and God. He's truth and grace, the fullness of both. The fullness of both. He's mercy and judgment. He's love and confronting. This is, this is God. And so we can't side with the side of God that, that we like or that, we, that appeals to us or that we uh, 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 you know, want to surround ourselves. But he says that they will go out of their way to heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the what? The truth. See, this is the thing, guys. It's not salvation that sets you free. The truth, you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Sets you free. Now, salvation is a part of truth. It's a concept of truth. It's an element of truth, but it's not the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help me God. It's an element of it. I've got to grow beyond that. And I've got to discover that there is more that God has for me than just getting in. There's more that God has for me than just obtaining. God wants me to maintain. God wants me to stick with. God wants me to stay with. God wants me to press on toward the mark. And so we we have this danger of this falling away He says, they will turn away their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. These are his comments and his charging to Timothy about these last days. Now, I want you to look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus has some interesting words. We already saw in Matthew chapter 7 that we will know false teachers or false prophets, those that lead us away by their what? by their fruit. So he's already telling me, I've got to look a little bit deeper. That eventually it's going to come out. Eventually it's going to be revealed. That maybe right offhand, they look like a sheep, but I've got to get to the intentions. I've got to get to the heart. I've got to get to the motive. That doesn't mean that I'm walking around cynical of everybody. That doesn't mean that I'm walking into church or hearing the word, uh, you know, with this, okay, are they really a word church? Are they, no, you will, you will know. It'll come off. Does it bear witness with your spirit? What is truth? Truth is truth. Truth is truth. Okay? And so uh, John chapter 15, he gets a little bit deeper with this whole roots and fruits analogy. And starting with verse one, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's the first thing he says about this, this vine and the vine dress. He goes straight to the ones that aren't doing anything, that aren't producing anything. And he says, my father takes them away. My father will remove them. Why? Because they're useless. It's useless. And every branch uh, that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It's interesting that in both instances, there's cutting involved. You're either, being, you're either being cut off and removed or you're having stuff cut away. But in both instances, there's cutting. So, you know, our, our lack of pruning, our lack of, of trimming in our life is not an indicator we're on the right path. 
not an indicator. If God's not tweaking something, if God's not working on something, that, that is not an, oh, I must have it all together. No, there's always gonna be pruning. There's always gonna be some kind of correction involved. There's always gonna be some kind of challenging of, of, of motives and intentions. God is working diligently. The, the, the Father is working diligently to ensure that we maintain what we obtained. Having heard does not replace hearing. The Bible doesn't say faith comes by having heard, right? It doesn't say that. It says faith comes by hearing. That's continual. That's consistent. I'm remaining in it. I am continuing to hear. So, you know, sometimes how we treat what we heard before is more of an indicator of if we're falling away than what we're learning. Going and accumulating all this knowledge. You know, he actually says that in the last days that they will continue to learn, but they will not know anything. They won't actually come to the knowledge. They'll always be learning and they'll always, I gotta, gotta get more, gotta get more. Gotta. What are you doing with what you once knew? Are you remaining in and staying fixed on the foundation? Have you set your mind and, and set yourself at a course where I want to maintain what I've already obtained and we want to replace that with, well, I need a new truth. I need a new knowledge. I need a new word. There's, there's a lot of that going on in these last days. Always grasping for new. It's called itching ears. How you respond to the truth you once heard is more of an indicator to your ability to maintain and stay with the word than it is your desire to grow and learn more. And I don't want to just gain information. I need revelation. I don't, I, I cannot survive on information. And, and we have, we do not have a lack of information, but I think we're more ignorant than we've ever been with more and more, the wealth of knowledge is incredible, but the, the, the wealth of understanding is not quite there. We are in the information age. There's so much, it's like trying to drink out of a fire hydrant, man. There's so much coming at you. We can't possibly comprehend it all. I read the other day, someone said, I remember when the news people literally just re, uh, told you about an event that took place and then let you decide what you think about it. Now they make up stories of what took place and tell you how to think about it. <laughs> you notice this? It's no, more, it's no more of just news stations. It's debate stations and they want to create an image. Media is dangerous because they have actually something that's more dangerous than the actual event. It's called perception. Perception is actually greater than reality. There, there's so many believers that are living robbed lives off of perception, not reality. Perceived. Condemnation is perception. Condemnation is not reality. Condemnation comes to a believer to trick you into thinking you're something you're not. And so the enemy robs us in our life where we perceive or the lack thereof, not in our reality. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a son and daughter of the king. You are royalty. You are greatness. But if he can talk you out of it, if he can, by perception, change your reality, then you'll live far below what God has ever promised you. That's probably one of the things that, that irks me the most as a pastor is seeing people live below who God's called them to be. Seeing people far from God, yeah, we need, to, we need to get them. But there are so many believers that are just as far from God in their minds. Perception is dangerous. And so uh, uh, he's identifying here um, that there's, there's a cutting, there's a challenging, there's a correcting, there's a pruning that takes place. Why? That I can bear more fruit. God the Father uh, never reaches a, a level in our life where he's like, man, you've achieved it, you've done it, you, you reached the goal. Now just take it easy until I send my son back. He's always looking for more. You can never outdo your potential. 
Man, if we could just grasp that. You can never outdo your potential. You can never outdo, you can never outdo God. What he has for you, what he wants for you, what he desires for you. As soon as you break through one challenge, as soon as you get through one barrier, man, he's right on to the next. Not to keep you in a position of being stuck, but to help you understand that your, your persistence and, 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 and your ability to continue to press through the challenges and the trials uh, and, and even the, just the natural life that God is trying to get something through you, not just to you. Destined for greatness. Right? We say it all the time. The graveyard is the richest place on earth. Books that were never written, songs that were never sung, businesses that were never started, churches that were never pastored in the graveyard. Stuff that dies with you. You should not, you should die empty. Should die empty. That's what Paul said. I ran my race, I fought my fight. Finish my course. That's the way you want to go. God, is there anything else I haven't yet accomplished? Do not let me leave this planet until I have seen that take place. And then there's times where what God's called you to do, somebody else will actually carry out and finish it. Abraham never saw the promised land in the form that it was in in Joshua when they finally entered in but yet he's the father of faith. He's the father of many nations. But generations beyond him would carry out the word of God that came to him. Amen? And so there's this uh, uh, continual producing of fruit. Verse three, he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now here's the key, verse four. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What's that mean? Stay. Abide does not mean visit. It doesn't mean frequent. It means stay. It means live, reside is the word we're looking for there. Abide, continue in is what he's saying. Abide in me. So notice this. My production is determined by my connection. My production is determined by my connection. How do I continue to bear good fruit? I have to stay connected to the vine. I have to stay connected to the word. I have to stay connected to him. I'm telling you right now, the greatest defense for falling away from the faith is keeping the faith. Now, I know that may sound simple. I know that sounds elementary. Well, yeah, duh. But that's exactly what God is trying to help us understand in these last days. We have to keep, maintain, stay with. Notice a continual theme with all these passages. There will always be opportunities in our lives to abandon. There will always be opportunities in our lives to abandon to abandon what we believe on certain subjects? No, God does not want us to abandon or to neglect. He wants us to add to. He wants us to continue to grow in. He wants us to maintain, stick with. We've got to stick it out. We have to stay with and remain abiding in him. Verse five says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. So if I'm getting in the word, guess what? The word's getting in me. If I'm getting in the word, the word's getting in me. This is the very thing I'm talking about. We don't need any new tips and new tricks to growing in the word. I mean, I'm thankful for the apps and the devotions and the blogs and, and all the different things that can help me in my walk with God. But those are supplements, not substitutes. Supplements, not substitutes. I tell people all the time, stick with the word. I remember Kenneth E. Hagin when he was on this earth and, and, and through all the different generations and all the different, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the different uh, generations of 
church, especially in America. We had the healing revival. We had the charismatic renewal. We had the, the teaching, all these different things. And the one thing he told every single minister was just stay with the word. Stay with the word. But there were guys that got off in the healing revival. There was a guy that would set up a tent and he'd go from town to town. And eventually, there were times where he was making up or faking healings and miracles to get a crowd. And Kenneth Hagin told him, if there is not an anointing in that service, uh, moving and operating for healing and for miracles, teach the word. And he responded and said, if I do that, they'll quit coming. And they did it to Jesus. Show us a sign, master. Show us a sign, teacher. Right? And finally, he just said, you're a perverse generation. You got this thing all twisted. All you seek is a sign. But then when I'm speaking the word, you don't want to follow and abide and adhere to the word that's being ministered. Because people want a show. People want entertainment. Rather than what does the word say? We have to stick with the word. My connection determines my production. So I need to stay connected to what I want to produce. But here's the key. Whatever you are connected to, you will produce. What goes in has to come out. What goes in has to come out. So if I'm not getting it in me, guess what? It's not coming out of me. How do I know if I'm sticking the course? How do I know if I'm staying with the word? Very easy. What comes out when pressure shows up? That's it. I don't, I, don't, don't show yourself to me when you're rejoicing and happy and everything's going your way. Let me see what you look like when challenges arise. Is the word still coming out? When the report is beyond or contrary to what the word of God says, are you gonna stick with the word of God? Well, you can only produce what you're connected to. You can only produce what you're connected to. And again, you may not be connecting with blatant evil. In fact, the writer of Hebrews told us that, that we have to discern our senses to determine the difference between good and evil. He says that over in uh, Hebrews chapter five, that I have to train myself to know the difference between good and evil. Did you think we would be in a, in a day and age where I'd have to actually train myself to know the difference? But you know, he said in the Old Testament as well, I believe in Isaiah, that the day will come, they'll call evil good and they'll call good evil. So my connection determines what I produce. Am I staying connected to the word? He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say this, for without me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. Why? Because he's doing nothing. He's ineffective. He's useless. And they gather them, they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I want to show you real quick here in these last two verses, four things that will happen when we remain in him. Four things that will take place when we remain in him. He gives us four things right here. Number one, prayers are answered. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. See, really the, the essence behind a, a, a valuable, healthy prayer life is confidence. It's confidence. In fact, James even tells us that if we ask doubting, we ask remiss, we shouldn't expect anything to be done. But the, the, the essence behind my prayer life and knowing 
Confidence, number one, that he hears me. And number two, that he's willing and able. Willing and able. I mean, it doesn't do me any good if he can, if he won't. And it doesn't do me any good if he will, but he can't. I need a God that I can believe can do it and will do it. I need a God that can do it and will do it. You gotta be convinced of both. So the convincing comes from abiding in him. Prayer is not reaching out uh, 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 as, a, as a last resort. I've tried everything else. This is my last plea. Let me, I mean, we, you know, we literally have prayers called Hail Marys. <laughs> you ever seen a football team throw a Hail Mary? There's not a whole lot of confidence in that play. It's about a 1% chance that it's gonna fall into the right place. And so, you know, the prayer has to be built on confidence. How can I have confidence in my prayers, my prayer life, and the one that I'm praying to abide in him? He says that my prayers will be answered. Number two, God is glorified. Number one, prayers are answered. Number two, God is glorified. When I'm abiding in him, he gets the glory. When I'm not abiding him, I'm hungry for the glory. You ever find yourself in a place where you have to stand out? You have to get the glory. It points to you. You may not be connected to the vine. May not be abiding in him. But he says that here. Uh, you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. You know, God wants your prayers to be answered. God wants your life to reflect the kingdom of God. God wants your life to be blessed. It brings glory to him. His reputation, his glory, his exaltation. He is glorified when we are abiding in him. Number three. Number three, discipleship is demonstrated. Discipleship is demonstrated. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Not that you just bear a little bit of fruit, but that you bear much fruit. And then he says, so you will be my disciples. So you will be my disciples. Disciples, our discipleship ought to be demonstrated, not just something we talk about, but something, can someone know you're a disciple or a follower, a student, a pupil of Jesus without you saying a word? Abide in him. And if he abides in you, this is how you keep from falling away. This is how we avoid abandoning that which we started with, maintaining what I once obtained. Now my discipleship is on display. My discipleship is recognized and revealed. You know why people need to know you're a disciple? Because you are their answer. Not you in and of yourself, what you can do, but you are connecting people to Jesus. And I don't care if they laugh at me, call me names, say whatever you want, talk about me. But when you get a report of cancer, guess who you're finding? That one crazy Christian person at work that always talked about Jesus and always bugged me about going to church with them and I never wanted to go. But when they find out that their, their husband's leaving them, they're losing their job, they get a report, they're gonna come find you. Can they find you? Can they find you? I tell you what, you want to stick out. You want to be set apart. You want to stand out because when someone that is hopeless needs hope, they need to know where they're going. Not someone that's stuck in the same mess that they're in. Not someone that, 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 that's, that's questioning life just as much as they are. No, they need to find someone that has hope. They need to find someone that knows the answers. They need to find someone that they can cling to, someone that is abiding with him. And when we abide with him, guess what? We can become a hope for the world. And then we can train up and we can raise up other people to do what we're doing. Disciples making disciples, not converts, not pray a quick prayer so we can get you somewhere. How can we get heaven in you? How can I help you discover your purpose? Even in the mess, even in the junk. Yeah, the world's looking for you. They just don't know it yet. 
They just don't know it. So number one, we see prayers are answered. I can strengthen my confidence in my prayer life. God is glorified. He's exalted. Discipleship is demonstrated. And the last one is joy is fulfilled. Joy is fulfilled. We gotta go a little further to find this one. So let's continue on in verse nine. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. When I'm abiding in him and he's abiding in me, guess what? My joy goes up a notch. Why is joy so important? Because it's the joy of the Lord that is my strength. Joy will keep you from quitting. Joy will keep you from quitting. When my joy is low, when my joy is unfulfilled, and and look, you know, people are searching for joy whether they will admit it or not. That's the reason why we do half of what we do. It's the reason why we eat what we want to eat. It's the reason why we hang out with who we hang out with. It's the reason why we go places we want to go. It's the reason why we watch the stuff we watch and listen to the stuff we, we do it without even knowing our goal in life is to be joyful. Yeah. It's the underlying motive behind a lot of what we do. Nobody in life says, I love doing stuff that doesn't bring me joy, but I, I, I just know it's good for me. That's why I don't eat kale. I don't even know what it is. I couldn't tell it. I couldn't spot it if you put it right here in front of me. If it doesn't taste good, I'm not eating. that Because I eat for the enjoyment of eating. I'm just being honest with you. I know I'm the only one in this room that eats because they enjoy it. Golly. I just find the stuff that's coated. It might not be good on, it might not, it might be good on the inside, but it doesn't taste, you know. I want it coated in something. Fried, chocolate sauce. Yeah. Yeah. I quit. Uh, my wife gave me some stuff that Terry had given her. I did that about three days. On the last, I said, it ain't worth it. It's, it's not even, I don't care what it's doing to my, I don't care if it's turning every cell and like making me Superman. It ain't worth it. I have done well for 36 years. Without it, I will figure it out for the next 36 I don't, you're going to have to put, mix it up with some ice cream, chocolate. Yeah. She she tried. She tried. Yep. Valiant effort. A plus on effort. Nope. It's got to taste good. I just, I want to enjoy it. Come on now. I want to enjoy it. But people are searching for joy. They're not really searching for a person. They're just searching for joy. They're not searching for a job. They're searching for joy. But it, 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 you know, we overestimate what we need to give us joy and we underestimate what could actually bring us joy. Because we, 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 have, we have a very skewed and confused idea of what joy looks like. Man, I have found my joy is at the fullest when I'm abiding with him. And I uh, am amazed at what I can do without when I'm abiding with him. I don't have to have the likes. I don't have to have the responses. I don't have to have the affirmation and the validation. I don't have to have people patting me on the back saying thank you all the time, appreciating me. I don't have to have half the stuff I thought that I had to have to live my life because I found my joy in him. Joy is not an emotion. It's a position. Joy is not an emotion. Emotions are stuff that you feel. 
We're, we are uh, uh, encouraged to be in joy. Not just feel it. We draw. Yeah, that's your access point. I tell you, life is miserable without joy. Isn't it? We thought somebody else was making us miserable. And here's the thing that I have found out. Whatever, whatever you hitch your joy to controls your life. You are enslaved by whatever you connect your joy to. So if, you're, if this has to be happening for you to be at joy, well, guess what? You're enslaved to that. Some of us are enslaved to people. Our joy, we have hitched our joy to that wagon and that is the only way we can be in joy. And so we have put somebody else in control of our joy. Your joy is your responsibility. Come on, okay? So we want to abide in him. That means I'm not abandoning, I'm abiding. I'm not neglecting. I'm staying with, I'm sticking with, I'm sticking it out. I am not gonna be one that falls away. Not gonna be looking like something on the outside, but becoming something different on the inside. And we talked about root and we talked about fruits. I'll tell you right now, seeds are a lot easier to pluck up than trees. They just are. Once that thing gets roots, once that thing starts digging into the ground, once that thing starts grabbing on, it, it's, it's tough to rip up out of there. It can be done by the mercy of God, by the grace of God. But I don't know about you, but when I, as soon as that seed goes in the ground, I want to be able to pluck it up. Nope, that's not what I, I you know, I, I think it was John George when he was with us said, if you uh, give your seed over to the animal, uh, if you give your field over to the enemy, he will plant a seed in it. And we cannot complain about fruit that is produced if we're not guarding the seed that is planted. If we disregard the seed that's going in our field, then we don't get to complain about the fruit that it produces later. Amen. We want to abide with him, be connected with him, allow him to prune you, allow him to cut off, allow him to remove. If, if, let me tell you, if Jesus is pointing out that you don't need it, you don't need it. You don't. You, you, you'll be just fine without it. You'll be just, if, if he says, cut this off, remove this, leave this, You'll make it. You'll be better without it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.